You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for Wednesday, January 31st. It's almost over. Um, <laughs> February's going to suck, too. Yeah, uh, I was episode... just going to say February's coming. <laughs> it's shorter, though. <laughs> it is shorter. Well, not this year. These leap year. Oh. <laughs> episode 3355. Good morning, horse people. It's Wednesday morning. That means Jamie and Glenn are back to talk horses with all of you. Well, let's be honest. Jamie talks horses. Glenn is just here to hassle Jamie. Enjoy the show. That's right. We are back. And I got to tell you that I saw a picture that you posted. By the way, Uh we do have a show planned for you today. Uh, We're going to (laughs) talk equine osteoarthritis. Look at me. Uh, regenerative medicine, and we're also going to be talking about fly predators, and we have some weird news. We have a whole bunch of stuff for you today. And then in the Auditor Post show, I'm going to talk about my ER visit last night. I mean, I'm fine, but the... Uh, You're here. You're I'm here. here but the, and I'm back Barely. home. But the uh, the neighbor next door had a unique thing that went on, and even unique for the doctor. So I got to tell you about that. Uh, but you posted a picture yesterday of Homer, which is your adorable doggy, uh, with a great big bear. And it, it, the title said, I have no idea where this bear came from. Now, it's a stuffed <laughs> bear. It's not a real bear. So uh, tell us about that. Well, I wish I had information. Yeah, Homer is my the Basset Hound puppy that By my way, husband he's surprised not a puppy me. Anymore. He's big. He's sixty pounds, oh Glenn. <laughs> now he he's, doesn't look fat. I have to say, he does not look fat. No, he's picture. not fat. He's just massive. He, <laughs> I mean, huge. if he lived in like a neighborhood, he would be fat. But he <laughs> is not fat. He's because he walks all day, uh, and and apparently, um, steals things. Apparently, which is the subject of the picture. I was down at the barn. I walked out of the barn, and uh, Homer just walked up to me with a giant stuffed bear. Where did he get the bear? I don't know. <laughs> he went, I have no idea. He went visiting the neighbors or what? Somebody said Buck the Bear, which is my my stuffed bear that does the first rides on everybody. He had a baby, and it's Buck the Bear's baby. <laughs> he I love still Samiko said baby. he went bear hunting. <laughs> yeah, there's oh, there's so many comments under because it's so weird. So Ginger, who lives in the house down there, I knocked on her door and I was like. Uh, I just want to, you know, I'm so sorry that Homer stole your daughter's bear. And she was like, what? And she walks out. She's like, I've never seen that in my life. <laughs> hey, wait, what? I've never seen it. You've never seen it. Where'd he get it? I don't know. He Can, can he get out and come back? No. no. And he has a GPS tracker on. And so I tracked his location and he hasn't gone outside the fence at all. Like maybe, maybe the Oklahoma wind brought it, so well, threw it over the gate. <laughs> I have no idea. He just, and he's so proud. Oh, because it, that face was guilt right there. <laughs> Boy, did that face look so guilty. Oh my God. I'm you just know, like, where did you? I think you, Bassett's have the best facial expressions of any dogs. Oh my God. He's amazing. He's amazing. <laughs> and, he, and he just walked. And then he like carried it all the way up to the house, which is probably a hundred yards, 150 yards up to the house, carried it up to the house, took it in the yard, brought it in the house. He's now, um, eating the eyeballs out of it. But <laughs> other than that, it's still completely intact. And I do want to seriously apologize to who's ever bear he stole <laughs> because it's, it's not mine, and it's not the person that also lives on the property who has a child. And Lucas had never seen the bear before, and Brooklyn had never seen Nobody's ever seen the bear. It's just Maybe Homer's bear. Maybe threw it over the fence. That could happen in Oklahoma, too. <laughs> Great. What could possibly go wrong with somebody throwing a stuffed animal Did over you your fence? Did you check and see if there was a cocaine pack in the middle? I, I know. I need to look for meth. Yeah. <laughs> but he hasn't been acting weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if he does start acting weird, you'll know why. Oh, that's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely not. <laughs> Actually, I gotta go get the bear. I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. 
Steve Auditor birthdays on here every day, and every day I mess them up. I got some right recently because people commented that I got their names right. Uh, but there is one Actually, name. she was offended you got her name right I because know. <laughs> it's a of honor to get her name wrong. I know. Well, there's one name I look forward to every year, and that's Patty Argenzio. That is the coolest name. Patty Argenzio. So happy birthday, Patty. You're the name I look forward to. And I don't even think I screw it up. So there's that. You probably do. Um, my, You know, after the show on Monday, we talked a lot about in the post show, some of the stuff going on with, with my mom. And I just got a slew of really super kind messages. Um, and I talked a little bit about how I need to go back to visit her in Florida. And, you know, the problem is I'm, I can't really work because it's in a hospital and there's not really a great place for me to set up an internet connection. And, uh, Gina came on, um, and came up with, I mean, she did so much research to find a place where I could go to work. And she even called the Palatka Library Headquarters because my mom lives in Palatka, Gina, I know Florida. I you're talking about, I think. And wow. like, got all the dates and times and phone numbers for me to call. To She does not want me to miss work, <laughs> Gina. Jesus, I'm just trying to get a freaking day off here now. <laughs> and I got some really nice messages from uh, from Clark and also from Sumiko. And I just, you guys, Susanna, I just appreciate it. Y'all are all awesome. Nicole, too. And Lorene has sent me messages. And Joanne and Anna Lou. Anyway, everybody's been really, really sweet. And I just appreciate it. And, and uh, thanks, Gina. Now I have to freaking go to work when I go to this mom. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> Thanks, Gina. I appreciate it. <laughs> I put her up to it. I said, Gina, go to work. Figure this out. Get to work, Gina. <laughs> she lives uh, south of us, too, I think, here. Okay. So, so, yeah. Well, that's how much people are invested in having you on the air. Oh, God. You know. But, but you know what? They know this show in the situation like that would help me maintain my sanity mm. since I can't ride during the, the being there. So I got to do something. And it makes me, oddly enough, less crazy to talk to you than it would to <laughs> not talk to you. Well, oddly enough, I feel the same way. <laughs> you know what else? It makes me less crazy. And you can go on to my Flyover Farm Facebook page and go look at... Day two of my rides with Taco. Riding this pony is making me less crazy, actually. It's so fun. So I rode him first uh, yesterday. uh, I'm sorry, uh, Monday and then Tuesday. So he's had two rides. And the first one, it was like, uh, it's just amazing, like, how much they just, he just waits for pain. Like, I mean, remember when he came in, his, like, his lips, the corners of his mouth were cut from the the bit, you know, something ripping his mouth open, you know, and uh, so he's constantly, and I've gotten him, gotten him to take the bridle really well now because uh, I did try to use the dually halter to longline him and stuff, and he turned into total pony. He was like, "You can't hold me. Watch, this, hold my beer." Uh, so I've got the bit in him, and he's doing great with that. And the second day, he really relaxed a lot, and I got to trot him, and he's, I think his education has been kick and pull, you know, like spur him forward and then rip his face off to, cause they sent me videos. I've seen it. That's how they wrote him. And so to ask him just for a nice quiet trot, I would squeeze him. And I mean, I clucked 9,000 times, like just trying to get him to go like just, but to not to avoid jabbing him, you know, with my legs, I just was like really encouraging with my voice and with my body position and got him to trot. And what's so funny, Glenn, I've never had this happen before. The second you start posting, he stops. Hmm. I was like, why are, why are you stop? Keep going. So if anybody knows why a Western ever posted before on him, I I guess, I mean, I guess it's, he's like, what are you doing? There's pressure now. And I stopping. Yeah, I'm not, but I'm trying to have less pressure. I have my hands yeah. nice and low and loose. But the second I start Feels posting, on his back, probably. and I'm thinking that's probably a good thing if he thinks I'm losing my balance and he's stopping, yeah. as opposed to taking advantage I of want it. A horse but, like that. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I finally got him to like. Go, I almost got a full circle at the trot in the round bend. So goals. Yay. Good job. Are, continue to have goals, but well you know, <laughs> I tried it a half a circle, Glenn. Yay! <laughs> Little <get> victories. <laughs> All right, we're going to go to our first guest. We have Dr. Gatman coming on. She's from Zoetis, and she's going to talk to us about regenerative 
regenerative medicine. Just don't say uh, it. Just really say medicine and arthritis. Arthritis and fancy stuff. We're going to talk about all of that. I'd like to welcome our first guest to the show, Dr. Getman. She is a veterinarian for Zoetis, and she is currently just outside the wonderful town of Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Getman. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Well, we thank, we thank you for being on. And uh, the, the thing is that we were going to talk to you about today is some arthritis. And now, granted, I know most all of our listeners know what arthritis is in their horses. And, you know, honestly, I don't think I'd pass a flexion test. So I know what it is. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> so what you've been studying and working on is some regenerative medicine devices. So to, and these are what what is a regenerative RMD? I'm going to say that. Yeah, and I think you know there's a lot of um, buzzwords around regenerative therapy right now, both in and not only in our horse patients but in human patients as well. And so sometimes people call it regenerative medicine, sometimes people call it orthobiologics. And I think the easiest way to explain it, you know, for something that um, all of us may have heard of in the news would be things like stem cells. So when you've heard of therapies that are like that, what we're basically trying to accomplish with regenerative medicine is to take something that's found in the horse's or human's own body, um, take it out of their bloodstream or take it out of their bone marrow, concentrate it, and then put it back into either injured areas or joints that have arthritis to try to heal that damaged tissue and decrease the inflammation in the joint um, using these naturally occurring proteins and other things that are found in blood and bone marrow. So this is not like we're just going to inject some, uh, you know, some steroid and HA into a hog. This is something we're like, we're going to try to fix this, not mask exactly. it or, or it, yeah, does nope, this fix exactly. it? Yeah, you hit it right on the head. So, you know, historically, I think, you know, if you yourself have arthritis or your horse, the way that we've treated arthritis has been really just to kind of slap a Band-Aid on it um, with things like butyrbanamine or even joint injections with steroids and HA. And all of those things certainly make your horse feel better, but they're not slowing down the progression of that disease at all, right? So that arthritis is still continuing inside the joint. The joint is still being eroded. And so those older therapies definitely make you feel better, but they're not slowing down the progression of the disease. And what we're really trying to accomplish with these regenerative therapies is obviously we want to make your horse feel better, right? So we want to decrease the inflammation in the joint and these therapies will do that. But we also want to slow down how quickly the disease is progressing and sometimes even kind of halt that process. And so that's the big distinction between these regenerative therapies and some of the older therapies that we've had to treat arthritis is that we actually want to um, slow down the progression of the disease, you know, decrease how quickly that cartilage is deteriorating um, and make your horse feel better at the same time. Gotcha. Yeah, because when you do like some hawk injections, you know, you you're you're making the horse feel better for until it that doesn't last anymore. But putting the Correct. steroid in the joints and touching all the cartilage with the steroid, that's gonna degenerate it even more. So Absolutely. you may buy yourself some time, but you're not fixing anything. So, uh, what types of horses would you use an RMD in? Would it be just your backyard horse, or how lame do they have to be? I guess. Yeah. I think, you know, these therapies are truly game-changing therapies. And again, not just in horses, but in humans as well. And I think we'll see a lot um, more use of these products in the next five or 10 years. But I think in my caseload, at least probably about 70% of the joint injections I was doing overall, I'd switch to these regenerative type therapies because we do know they're healthier for the joint long-term. You know, as you mentioned, um, repeated steroid use inside a joint is actually going to contribute to the cartilage degradation and deterioration. So it may make the horse feel better, but it's actually long-term causing some cartilage damage and these regenerative therapies won't do that. So, you know, in my caseload, I would say the majority of joints were getting something like ProStride, which is a type of regenerative therapy that we have. Um, and these could be, you know, young athletic horses who are just starting their career but have a little bit of inflammation that need to be treated. They can be your backyard horses that you want to be able to trail ride comfortably for many, many years. Um, we do find that these regenerative therapies tend to work best kind of 
in the earlier stages of disease. Um, so once the horse is severely lame and, and has some pretty bad, you know, changes on x-rays, you know, if they're really limping really badly at a walk, um, these regenerative therapies are probably best used before the horse gets to that point. So ProStride is a, a stem cell product then? So it's similar. ProStride itself doesn't actually have stem cells in it, um, but it is a regenerative therapy. It's made from your horse's blood. um, And so we collect some blood. And then inside that blood, there are lots of different proteins that can either decrease the inflammation in the joint or increase the rate of healing in that joint. And so what we're trying to accomplish with ProStride is concentrating those good proteins found naturally in your horse's blood And then putting those back into a joint, and by doing that, we're going to decrease the inflammation and increase the rate of healing inside that joint. And so that's what something like ProStride will do. Hey, I got a question here. Uh, How many joints can you do at the same time? Because Jamie needs a lot of them at the same time. You know, what's the saying? The limit does not exist, right? Um, And I think that's sort of tongue-in-cheek. But the good thing about these regenerative products is unlike steroids, there isn't really an, an upper limit. Um, of how many joints you can treat at once because they're all natural. They're very safe. Yeah, because steroids get into the system anyway, right? Exactly. And you you put them in five joints, you're going to have a a hopped-up horse. Well, I know that the more joint injections you do, the less steroid you can put in each one, reducing the effectiveness, excuse me, of that at that moment. I don't think a lot of people realize that. Um, Hopefully, you know, the veterinarians that stick a lot of needles in joints do, hopefully. Um, (laughs) But you never know. So, so we've got this therapy that this, this stem cell, it's working. What is one of the Okay, so you get your horse's joint injected. They're like, all right, three days off, then three days late work, and then back to full work in two weeks. And you should see the joint injections maximize in two weeks. And then, of course, it depends on the horse on how long that lasts and how comfortable they stay. But how long will you see results when you do this? Is it a longer waiting period? Yeah, so with a lot of these regenerative therapies, and I'll I'll talk specifically about ProStride because, again, you know, there's a lot of different ones, but um, I think this one overall is is probably the best one for most joints in general. Um, Your protocol is going to be very similar as far as how much rest you're going to need, how much time off you're going to need after the injection. So it's not any different than it would be for a steroid injection. The thing that is a little bit different, though, is it may take a little bit longer to see the full effect. So with ProStride, I tell people, you know, you're probably seeing an effect between two and three weeks. Um, Certainly by a month, you should be seeing the full effect of this product. But then, you know, often we see that these products tend to last a little bit longer than steroids, certainly in a joint that doesn't have a ton of cartilage damage. Um, the paper that's looked at these in, in clinical cases, so looking at horses with naturally occurring arthritis, with, there was a paper that looked at injecting these horses with ProStride, and they followed those horses out to a year, and they saw that those horses did show clinical improvement for up to a year, and that's when they stopped the study. So, you know, they may have improvement for longer than a year after a single ProStride injection. So what is a limiting factor? Is it cost or is it comparable? Um, You know, I think these products do cost a little bit more than steroids, but not a ton. You know, they aren't exorbitantly expensive. I think when you think about a regenerative therapy, certainly if if you've had any experience yourself as a patient and going to a human doctor and asking for these therapies, sometimes they can be quite expensive. And that's actually not true with these regenerative therapies in horses. So um, it kind of depends on how many joints you're injecting. You know, one of these ProStride kits will give you a certain amount um, of solution to inject back in a joint. And so if you can split that amount between a couple of joints, often the cost is comparable to maybe two or $300 more than what you would have been spending on steroids, but it is an exorbitant. But it's better for them in the long run. So you're doing your horse a favor. So cost up front versus, you know, something. Absolutely. Yeah. If you can get a little bit longer out of these injections than you can with steroids over time, you may actually save a little bit of money. Yeah, absolutely. So you're doing a research study right now. What is that one trying to answer? I know you're doing a ton, but 
Let's tell yeah. me about one of them. So we have we have several studies, and I'll just kind of hit the bullet points for you so that um, we don't get too deep in the weeds. But you know, the first study that was done looking at prostride in horses is the one that I just talked about, and and they took horses that were quite lame. So on a scale of one to five, these horses were on average grade three. So this is a lameness that certainly every horse owner would be able to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and they injected those horses with either prostride or just a saline solution like a placebo, right? Mm-hmm. And what they found that the horses that had prostride injected at two weeks had improved significantly um, and those with the saline or the placebo did not improve. And those are the horses that continue to show improvement for out to a year. Um, So I think that's the biggest study. You know, we have several other studies ongoing looking at um, sort of the nitty gritty of what all the different molecules are in the product, um, whether or not a horse can be on bute or banamine when you give them this product and you can. Um, That's the short answer to that study. So Mm -hmm. we're always looking at these products and trying to figure out um, the best way to use them and if they interact with other, you know, substances the horses may be getting to make sure that everything that we're doing, you know, is best for the horse long-term. Is this something that would be helpful in treating kissing spine? Yeah. So a lot of people are using it in that scenario. Um, And I think, you know, my opinion on that is it definitely will decrease the inflammation in the area. Now, if your horse has true kissing spine, right, and it's a surgical lesion, then it probably needs surgery to fix that. Um, But if you just want to decrease the inflammation in the area, which is going to decrease the pain, then certainly people are using um, prostride and other regenerative therapies in horses with kissing spine and reporting good results with that. Okay, gotcha. Cool. Well, this is exciting. Where can people go to find out more about you and your studies and what's going on at Zoetis? Absolutely. So we have a couple of different places that you can find us. Um, If you just Google us, Zoetis Equine. Um, We have a website and our website details all of the different regenerative medicine products that we have. We also have a YouTube channel that has some videos. So if you um, enjoy watching videos that explain these products more than having to sit there and read it all for yourself, then I would suggest going to our Zoetis Equine YouTube channel. And then of course, we're on social media. So on Instagram, um, we are Zoetis Equine. So, you know, search Zoetis Equine and you can kind of keep up with all the the latest and greatest things that we're doing in this space. I'm a total like medical nerd. So this is going to be awesome. I'll be on the YouTube channel later. Yeah, You'll love the and, YouTube channel and the website thing. Cause it's full of information. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Gaiman. We'll let you get back to it, but we appreciate you coming on and hopefully we'll talk Absolutely. to you again real soon. For sure. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate you. Well, statelinetech.com, you want to visit over there right now. You know, I was thinking about Stateline because they're always at the shows that we attend and have great big, huge booths. And I recorded the Equine Affair episode yesterday that's coming out next week while we're on a cruise. And I'll, I'll tell you what, it just made me think about their huge booth and all the products they have. They have so many different products. Go over there right now, and obviously they're hi- highlighting all the cold weather essentials. And from what I've been seeing... It is a record year for blanket sales. Big surprise. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> I, oh. It's been a record year for blanket sales. I'm imagining there's a lot of blankets that are biting the dust early this year because of uh, what's going on. So if you want to, you can head over there right now. I did check, and they do have some blankets still in stock, uh, several pages worth right now. Uh, just click the top banner when you head to statelinetech.com, Cold Weather Essentials. Excuse me, and it has all the blankets there. Also, uh, turnouts. Hey, remember and- when ivermectin was like $600 a tube? They have it for six ninety nine. Yes, so. I know. <laughs> it's come back down. It's come back down again, yes. Uh, so there you go. Head on over to statelinetech.com right now for all your winter needs. Well, Jessica, Chief Science Officer from Spalding Labs is on. Jessica, first of all, I want your title. That's a great title. Well, thank you. Too bad I don't have any education or... Nobody's um, ever going to give you that title, Glenn. Sorry. I have no science background at all, but I love that title. (laughs) All right. What are fly predators? I know all of it. We've talked about them here on the show before, I know. And, you know, but we have new listeners and some people may have heard about them, but not exactly know what they are and what they do. So fly predators are a tiny insect about the size of the tip of a pencil lead. Um, Technically, they're a type of parasitic wasp. They don't bite. They don't sting. They never get any larger than that tiny pencil lead size. 
And what they do is they kill the pupil stage of the fly. Um, so right after the fly is a maggot, but before it's an adult fly, they'll kill some of them by eating them and actually feeding on them. And then others they'll lay eggs in and let their larva kill the fly as they develop. This sounds so satisfying, Jamie. I just That's love why that. she's the chief I just, science officer. <laughs> I just love that somebody's <laughs> out there killing the flies before we have to. Um, so when do you use them? How much do you use them? All the usual questions do you get. Like, we're in the winter now, obviously. Um, yeah. But it's getting warm. I live in Florida, so we're going to be in spring here in another month. Um, yep. Where, so- and we've got a lot of folks in Florida that uh, start actually in January because you want to start – before the flies really get going. So usually about the time the temperatures are regularly staying in the 60s um, is a good time because that's when fly development will start to begin. And if you can get ahead of them with the fly predators, you can prevent those flies from ever reaching those really annoying levels that we all hate. So it doesn't get rid of them all, right? You're still probably going to mm-hmm. have some flies? Yeah, most likely. It, it's very situational. Um, so there's a lot of things that can affect the outcome. And that's one reason that here at Spalding, we really do encourage people to give us a call. Um, We have a lot of fly experts on the phone that can help kind of problem shoot where you need to spread fly predators, what kind of flies you might have. Um, The fly predators will kill house, regular house flies and biting stable flies, but there are hundreds of other types of flies in our environment at any given time. Most of them just aren't a nuisance. And so it depends, you know, if if it's someone with a couple of horses and they're doing a really good job of other types of integrated pest management, you know, making sure that their manure is cleaned up and um, using some traps to prevent flies from migrating in from other areas and using the fly predators to kill anything developing on their place, you can see up to 80, 90% control that way. Um, In a more you know, my family, uh, just to give kind of a really realistic view of things, there's so many hours in a day. Our manure pile is kind of close to the barn. We've got 20-some horses, mostly on pasture. We feed round bales in the winter because it's hard to get feed out there. And we have a neighbor with about 30 cattle that are right on our fence line. So I would say we get about a 60% reduction in flies. Well, I was going to ask you, but, but, but well, that also makes you a CMO, a chief manure officer. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I was waiting for that one. You set me up so beautifully. Thank you. Um, so, so that was the one question we had. We used them at the place we lived here in Florida for a long time, and they worked great, except that the neighbor had this huge manure pile right across the fence. So. Yep. You know, we couldn't spread them in his manure pile. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, is it effective that way? Do they do they migrate over there or what? They'll travel about 150 feet in their lifetime. Um, So depending on how close it was. But what I would do actually, if if that fence line where that manure pile was, was at least 100, 150 feet away from where you guys spend a lot of time, I would put traps on the fence line right right near that manure pile. That way, any flies developing in it are going to get caught by the traps before they come over to your place. Uh, Got it. Okay. That makes sense. And Jamie, I know you had some questions too. I I do. So I use them in Arizona. We had a very open concept. You know, you can't have a barn in Arizona. It's all like mare motels and stuff. And so, you know, one of the instructions was to sprinkle the fly predators around the manure, but we clean the stalls every day. So I wasn't Mm -hmm. quite sure how to handle that. We didn't have a manure pile with a dumpster and I'm not going to put my fly predators in a dumpster. So if you're in that kind of situation, like an Arizona place where you are mm-hmm. picking up all the manure and taking that out, where is the best place to spread the predators? What I have found, um, cause I've actually in the past done a lot of customer visits all over the country. Um, and so places like Arizona, California, any places that are really dry, Almost everybody has mats down somewhere um, in those mare motels because, you know, you Mm -hmm. don't want your horse on sand. A lot of times moisture will stay under those mats and stuff get up under there that doesn't always get cleaned. So I usually recommend putting them around any place with mats, under water buckets and around water spigots um, because the ground will stay. So I'm not going to squish them if I put put them under a rubber mat? Not at all. The the fly (laughs) predators are so tiny that essentially to squish them you'd have to be on a very smooth surface and have like a smooth roller going over that smooth surface it's very difficult 
squish them on the I ground. I didn't know that. I didn't mm-hmm. either. So that actually assists my next question, which was I have chickens and oh my God, these chickens, like fly predators are like <laughs> Snickers bars to those things. And I, oh, so I have, yes, they, oh my God, the fly pupa more so than the fly predator with the chickens. Um, yes. So there's a few ways to handle chickens. Uh, my mom, my horses are on my parents' property. Um, we've got a big farm there. My mom's got about two dozen chickens. So depending on the day, if it's a really nice day and we don't want to have to keep the chickens up, because one thing you can do is just keep the chickens cooped for about 24 to 48 hours, give the fly predators a chance to hatch and disperse, because it's really that cocoon that the chickens go after. Mm-hmm. But if it's a really nice day or we're having a lot of nice days and we don't want to have to keep them in, then we make release stations. Um, out of win- just old window screen and make it into a little envelope. And we would make, you know, five or 10 of those and just put a pinch in of the fly predators in each one and hang them so that they were out of the chicken's reach. And then gotcha. the fly predators fit right through window screen to drop out onto the ground and do their job. Oh, that's a great idea too. But I mean, it sounds like too, I could just put them under the mats and the chickens would yeah. get them. Absolutely. If you, especially, yeah, being in the more dry area, because I, we don't have a lot of mats here, here in Illinois, but definitely for your situation, like out in Arizona, you could just stick them right under the edges of mats, buckets, anything well, like that. Well, I'm in Oklahoma now and I haven't invested uh, in them because just when you think you get out, you pull me right back in. So <laughs> <laughs> now I know I can put them under a mat because the chickens here, I would have a real hard time. She has aggressive cont- chickens. Yep. Well, they're, they're just, they're and not happy. a lot happy. of chickens. Well, she and, collects you know, you, chickens. Shut up, Glenn. <laughs> if you want to giggle, the reason that that uh, release stations started weren't actually because of chickens. Uh, in graduate school, I was working on these parasitoids. And one of the, we had to be able to measure how much we were introducing to the environment. So we had to have release stations. And we started with something else. And I was working in a, uh, with dairy heifers, and they were eating my release stations. <laughs> um, and so, and then we were getting mice that were eating them. So we ended up creating uh, like a PVC pipe that we drilled holes in and stuck the screen bags in there. So the idea and concept of release stations actually started for me in grad school, trying to keep the cows from eating them. And then just when we got home and my parents started using the fly predators and my mom's like, oh, my gosh, the chickens just follow me around. And I'm like, "Uh, no, I think this this release station can be modified a bit. Let's go ahead and do this for the chickens. So it it was kind of a. Yeah, that's been my fear here is that, you know, to I, I what I did in Arizona was I would set them up in, in the, actually hanging from the trees and I'd have a little station mm-hmm. to let them out. And uh, but here I'm in Oklahoma and now we have so much wind that I'm like, mm-hmm. they'll just blow right out and my dickhead chickens will eat them all again. <laughs> <laughs> so what? that's interesting. One thing, too, that would be good if you have pipe fences or anything, doing PVC pipe and put the top that's like a screwable cap on it and then on the bottom just hot glue uh window screen and then mount it with like a c bracket on one of your fence posts that can be really low to the ground the chickens can't get in it and each time you go to put new ones in you can just pop it out of that c bracket unscrew the top and dump them and put it right back on does spalding labs make the what you're talking about the the hanging things and stuff like that that you could use we don't make you them should. but I- I did. Ha- I do have plans made up that we can send to people um, with all of like the exact specs. Uh, anytime someone asks for that, we've got. I call it a durable station and a you know simple fly release station. Jamie, we, and- we need to start making them, and we can make money selling them. We're gonna, there you I'm go. I'm going to call mine. I'm going to call mine the Dickhead Chicken Station, <laughs> and then. <laughs> It's perfect. I love it. I'm going to market that. Trademark. Hey, we do have a 10% yep. discount for uh, listeners, and this is for new customers. We'll get 10% off when using the promo code HITM10, H-I-T-M-10, all one word, um, and at flypredators.com. So go to flypredators.com, use HITM, H-I-T-M-10, and new customers will get 10% off. So thank you, Jessica, for joining us. I really appreciate it. Uh, I have now entitled you the Chief Manure Officer. 
Twitter. So <laughs> you can add that to your long list of uh, initials after your name. Absolutely. <laughs> Slidepredators.com. Thanks, Jessica. Yeah, I'm going back to Preds. I, the fact that I could put them under the mats is huge because seriously, that's the biggest problem of mine was the chickens. And then I was like, well, I can't put them in the stations because they're going to blow off down <laughs> to know. the chickens. I know. And, and, you know, after we stopped recording with her, she did say that they really do. They'll take a look at your property on Google Earth and they'll tell you where to put They go into great detail. So uh, good company. It is another uh, equine network company, but uh, we were using them before we were even involved with this. So very cool. Well, let's hear about Daily Dose and then we're going to go into some weird news. Hanging out here with the mad scientist who developed daily dose equine horse feed formulas, Janet Geyer. And you might wonder, whenever I get my horse feed delivered to my door in Maryland or Texas or California or Missouri, am I getting the same horse feed? And the answer is? The answer is that it is always the same formula, always the same horse feed. We don't change ingredients. Uh, We are a fixed formula feed mill. to learn why some days you're embarrassed to be part of the human race in Jamie's Weird News. That's right. It's time again for Weird News. This is when we go through all the things that are happening in the world that we're like, that's really weird. So if you're ever looking through whatever news source you look through and you see a story that you're like, that is super weird, email it to me, jamie at horseradionetwork.com is how it started because I was looking at news and i'm like that's super weird um so uh the people you, you email it to jamie at horseradionetwork.com with weird news in the subject line and this week i would like to thank are you ready sit down ina kathleen alicia aaron charlotte stephanie laurie jenny delia debbie Joe Lynn, Jenny, Ellen, Maureen, and Melissa. These people need a life. <laughs> no, I love it. Don't say that. That was my favorite thing. I love getting the weird news story. I start reading them, you know, on like Tuesdays and start going through them. And you only let me do four. So some of them won't be used. Some of them, uh, some people, a lot of people sent me the same one. And you'll probably know which one. But I would like it. Would you like me to start out gross and dark and get lighter or start out light and get grosser and darker? Oh, let's start out gross and get lighter. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. We're on the same page. Okay. <clears throat> oh, God. I feel like I've had a I mean, lot of gross is... in my life recently. So This is gross and dark. I'm not going to lie. Um, but it was all of the name of love, Glenn. Okay. So all of this was done for love. Okay, so there's a a farmer in Ohio, and he passed away in late December. And um, his son, who's 29, told the sheriff's office that his father had passed away inside his home. And so the uh, authorities go to retrieve the body of the male farmer. And they see uh, in in the on the farm that there's a camper. Oh, I'm flushing telling this story. So there's a camper, like a motorhome, that's out in the uh, driveway. So they go into the you know looking through everything, and they go into the camper, and they find a dead woman in the camper. Now. They go back to the sun. They're like, uh, excuse me. Hi, there's a dead lady in your camper. Oh, yeah, that's my mom. She died seven years ago. And my father. That's like right out of the horror movies. My father has been preserving her body. Oh, that's because he wanted to be. He wanted to be buried with her at the same time. So this man. Would go into his camper on the daily. The sheriff said that the body was surrounded by herbs, wrapped in a blanket, and was actually incredibly well-preserved for the amount of time she had been dead. He says, I've been doing this job for almost 34 years, and I ain't seen nothing like this in my life. I mean, so, so this man, his wife dies. He doesn't tell anybody. He doesn't report her death. 
he's got her he's, he takes her body to the motorhome where he wraps her and and is like taking care of her is this the weirdest story I'm sorry, I'm super weirded out by it. Um, but um, they were. I, I feel like there was a movie, a very popular movie that had this, and I can't remember the name. My heart is palpitating. Like, uh, uh, he, he just wanted. You're the to be one that chose first. the story. So I'm just gonna keep. I didn't send it to me. I don't know which one of you monsters did, but you know, thank you for that. Please you know, tell me that was in Oklahoma. Was that in Oklahoma? Uh, let's see. This was in Ohio. Oh, oh all the oh. weird stuff happens in Ohio. <laughs> they're, they're coming up. <laughs> they're competing with Florida. It is Salem, Ohio. Oh, there oh. you go. There you go. Um, okay. So I sent you a picture on text oh, yeah, and I'm going to tell you the story first before you react to it. Um, police responded to, uh, there's a store, I think it was a target. And this woman walks into the target and you know this whole Stanley Cup. I don't like, understand. Not, it. I not the a hockey thing. Yeah, yeah, yes. that's what I thought. Why? What? What's it? What is up with cups? I don't know. People are really getting excited about these Stanley Cups. It's it's a it's company just a that cup, right? Yeah, but, it's just for the what, handle. But what happened was people love these tumblers. They're trying to get their water in, and so um, Stanley was a company that made like black cups, and they decided to market towards women, and so they started making really interesting colored cups, and they became very popular, and they went from like. They went to from like a four forty five million dollar company to like a four hundred and fifty million dollar company by I, making this one change. I, I feel like there's a lot of cups in the world. There's a lot of cups in the world, but these are like really good cups. You can carry hot soup and drink it in a straw, or you can have ice. I don't know what people do with them, but it's just a it's just a cup. It's and a big. They have to be expensive. They're right, and, and they're probably pretty expensive. But what happened is people are now getting these particular, you know. Stanley cups. It's a whole thing with Starbucks cups too. And, and they are selling them on eBay for like a thousand dollars because it's this one coveted color of a cup. I don't know. It doesn't make much sense to me, but it's like my little ponies or something. People are going crazy for these rare ones. So I guess Briars would be a better example. Um, so, uh, this woman walks into what I think is a target and she goes to the Stanley cup section and fills up her shopping cart with, Stanley cups, like overflowing. She takes out basically everyone off the shelf and puts it in her shopping cart. And she goes to the front and walks right out the door. Uh, that's illegal. Can't do that. So she goes to her car and starts unloading all these Stanley cups in her car and um, drives off. Well, that's not legal and you can't do that. So um, the police arrest her pull her over and now you can look at the picture that i sent you this is only half <laughs> the trunk is absolutely full of them <laughs> just it full. is absolutely all full. thrown in like she was in a hurry she stole almost three thousand dollars worth of stanley Ooh, cups she got into felony territory <laughs> <laughs> yep it's called grand larceny at that point glenn <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, so yeah, Stanley Cup's annual sales were seventy-five million, and they jumped to seven hundred and fifty million in twenty twenty-three alone. That is how insane these Stanley Cup things are, and they're was super it like, expensive. Was it a celebrity that caused it to? No, they just decided to start. Whoever their marketing person was was genius. They were just like everything's marketed towards men, and women are the ones who walk around with stupid cups all the time. I know, I do. I walk around with a cup all the time. Uh, so. They marketed to women, and here they are. And they're reusable, and people love that, you know, not getting away from the plastic bottle, which is good. Uh, but this is stupid, and she's in jail. And uh, I, I, one of the things I loved about this is, you know how I love police tweets? Yes. Well, I, I really love the fact that so many police stations are now, like, they're not even tweeting about it. They're just, like, coming up with their own fantastic thing that they're saying in these articles and so this one was <clears throat> this is the uh roseville police department says while stanley quenchers are all the rage we strongly advise against turning to crime to fulfill your hydration habits <laughs> <laughs> that might be a theme we're gonna, we're they gonna sit hear around they sit around in there with their coffees writing these things <laughs> They're all together in the that. morning meeting trying to come up with the best lines. <laughs> uh -huh, yeah. What should we say? We need a quote. <laughs> Somebody come up with it. All right. Next story. All right. 
All right, we're going to head to Lawrence County, South Carolina, where a man and a woman decided to run away from the police who were trying to pull them over. Okay, it was like 9 a.m. on a Monday morning. Okay, and the deputies were on a routine patrol and they saw a black Honda sedan with an expired tag. And they're like, well, we should probably get that. Oh, you know what? They're kind of speeding. Oh, you know what? They're they're really having a hard time staying in their lane. So they're swerving, speeding and have expired tags. So obviously they're going to get pulled over. So the deputies got behind the car, but the driver refused and took off and the chase started. And once the chase went into Greenville County, they decided to terminate the pursuit of the chase. At about 2.45, the same day, the same vehicle, which (laughs) had been spray painted white. Well, at least they had one can of white spray paint. So they spray painted the car to try to hide from the police. But they only got half of it done. this is after the police chase? (laughs) Yes, this is after. Because they they went into another county and they had to stop chasing. So the people are like, hey, man, let's get a can of spray paint. We don't spray paint this car. Well, they only got half of it done. Yeah. So there's half of a white spray painted car. They can only afford, I guess, one bottle. I was going to say, uh, one, can one can doesn't can. go very far if you've ever used no. spray paint. <laughs> so they were then spotted driving recklessly again. And another officer was like, we need to pull them over. So they go to pull them over and they ran again. So second time. They start a police chase, getting high rates of speed, but school's letting out and they're heading by school. So they just back off. They just terminate the pursuit because safety reasons can have children out there. By the way, there's pictures of this beautiful spray painted car. Uh, Then uh, later on, they're seen again, speeding and driving recklessly. And the police chase is on again. And this time they're like, all right, y'all, we going to disable this car. Well, so I think they put up asking for them. <laughs> I know like go home, sleep it off. <laughs> so they put the tax strips out. They, they disable the car and they go to the, they're like, you know, guns drawn going to go up. And the, the driver's name is Joshua Harvey. And this passenger, Rosie Smith, I don't have to describe to you what they look like. <laughs> no, I can probably picture it. <laughs> just imagine somebody in, where was this, South Carolina, that has been doing meth. And, and they're a happy couple. Really, they look thrilled to be having their picture taken. Um, Smith was charged with failure to stop, DUI, unlawful operation of a vehicle, operating with expired registration, and seatbelt violation, <clears throat> and ill treatment of animals oh why were they charged with that glenn i don't know because when the sheriffs pulled him over they opened the door and out jumps a dog they're like oh my god they had a dog in their car this whole time oh here comes the kitty kitty (laughs) jumps out of the car wait wait wait. what is that (laughs) not one not two not three but four chickens hop out of the back seat of the car too (laughs) How the hell did chickens get along with a kitty? I don't know how any of that's happening at all. Uh, It's just ridiculous. Um, But then um, the sheriff's department had to make a statement. And I love this because it makes it way more glamorous than it actually is. Quote, these Bonnie and Clyde wannabes have tried to make fleeing from law enforcement a habit, but eventually their luck ran out. (laughs) Bonnie and Clyde? (laughs) Yeah, I think that, I think Bonnie and Clyde didn't have chickens in the car. (laughs) And had chickens in their car. There's no... No, one of the guy was driving erratically. There were chickens flying around the car. (laughs) So, right? (laughs) Honey, get your chickens out of the car. I'll be able to drive straight. (laughs) The cat was chasing the chickens. The dog was chasing the cat. It was terrible Uh, in there. It was anarchy in that car. Oh, can you imagine what that car smells like? Oh, man. Hey, did you see that new thing the police have? You know, the spike strips have been around forever. But did you see that new thing they have, the hook? No. It's attached to the front of the police car. And what they do is they smash into the back of the other car, and the hook actually hooks to the car. And all the police do is put on the brakes, and it stops the other car. Oh, that seems like it could be very dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of of James Bondish, actually. (laughs) One more? It's like... Yeah, one more. Well, you talked about how bad that car smelled. Well, apparently things can smell bad enough to 
ground planes. Yes. Um, I think this story was sent to me about 60 times, um, probably because it's an American Airlines flight. Uh, there was a man who came on an American Airlines flight. Not my husband was not the pilot. At least he didn't tell me he was. Uh, so there was a, it was flying from Phoenix to Austin. And there was a man who was in the uh, waiting area, and he was obviously disgruntled about something, according to other people on the plane. Quote, maybe hungover. He was grumbling before the plane left the gate. He got in the plane. He started swearing, causing a disruption. You know, uh, just those whole, like, nightmare people on planes. He started to get very upset because there were passengers around him that had brought food onto the plane. And he was like yelling, that's so effing rude. I can't believe you brought food on the plane. It stinks. Obviously he hung over. He was not feeling good. And uh, you know what he does is this clap back. Glenn. He just starts ripping some loud farts. Like, I this mean, is the story you got from 85 people because I even saw this one. <laughs> like, apparently, very loud and very aggressive and very stinky. Think drunk, hungover, fat guy, like in a plane. So, um, you've had some tax- stories today. <laughs> they're taxing out to the runway, and uh, apparently, he keeps letting him rip, and he's like yelling at other passengers. Because like they're saying they're rude, but he's the one then literally like, you're rude. And they start fighting. And that's when flight attendants reportedly intervened and said, that's enough to the gas man. They're calling him Fartman <laughs> on the in the story. Uh, and on Reddit, they call him Fartman too. Uh, so apparently they announced on the plane that uh, everybody on board, sorry. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. We I should have Chad up here doing this. We're gonna return to the gate. Um, <laughs> and everybody went, yay! <laughs> and everybody returned to the gate. The man got up, grabbed his belongings. Everybody cheered. Uh, that is one time about- where you don't mind being delayed because you don't want to be two hours of that. No, no, no. You don't want to be involved in that. They, they did say American Airlines handled it professionally and swiftly. Um, <laughs> somebody said he missed an opportunity to fart on the way out and say, smell you later. (laughs) (laughs) And then he said, somebody else said maybe another flight was low on gas. So he's just trying to help. (laughs) There you go. That's your weird news stories. I'm Kathleen, Alicia, Aaron, Charlotte, Stephanie, Laurie, Jenny, Delia, Debbie, Jolyn, Jenny, Ellen, Lorene, and Melissa. All thank you for sending your stories. Jamie at horseradionetwork.com. Weird news in the subject line. Great. You know what? We were thinking before, like, we had such a nice professional show with Spalding Labs and Zoetis and veterinarians. I've now put it in the well, garbage. You, we can always count on you to take it down at the end. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> hey, auditors, hang on. Uh, we'll do a post show for you. I'll tell you what happened at the ER last night. And also, uh, tomorrow is Mary Kitzmiller I know, and Jennifer. I know that's one of your favorite episodes. Friday is really bad ads. Get your ads into Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. She does need some ads. Uh, and we're going to have some prizes here shortly, so get your ads in. Uh, anybody that's submitted this month will also be included for the prizes. That's it for today. Thanks. Thanks. 